Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. My name is Garrett Chastain. Um, we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 6 today. We're going to do a, a, a scripture reading together. Uh, it's on page 761 if you want to join with me by grabbing the Bible in the seat bottom in front of you. It's page 761. My name is Garrett. As I said, I'm a worship arts minister here at The Door. Um, I'm primarily at the Louisville campus, but um, we're one team in, in two locations. And so I love being out here when I can. Uh, me and my wife also serve as group leaders, and my wife serves in the kids' ministry over at the Louisville campus, and we love doing all of these things. I'm glad to be here. This is um, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be starting in verse 9 and read through 13, but we're going to do something a little different today, and so um, I'd ask that you stand with me as we all read it out loud together. And so you can stand now, and we're going to read starting in verse 9 together. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Garrett. Y'all can be seated. Uh, If you don't know me, I'm Brad, and I'm the campus pastor here in Argyle, and I'm also on the preaching team, and so I'm honored to open God's Word with you. As as Garrett said, we will be in Matthew 6, and before we we get started with that, I I am wearing a bracelet that looks like I went to a water park this morning, and I did, in fact, go to a water park last night, but I did not go this morning. Um, If you go to the welcome desk, there's a pile of these things, and you can get one. Um, and we want to, as Kisto and Mark asked us to pray for the students and the leaders that are on beach retreat, we just, we want to have someone's name to pray for. So I'm praying for Heath. I don't know Heath, um, but I am praying that, that, that Jesus would be further formed in Heath. Maybe that he would come to know Jesus for the first time. This is not a boondoggle trip where the kids get to go play on the beach and we call it a spiritual vacation. It's really a, a time where, where kids come to meet Jesus for the first time or are further formed in him, and they find freedom in him. And so we, we want to pray for them. I would invite you to grab one. You can grab one for your kids. Um, we're, we're not, you know, choosy. Just, just grab one and pray over this week, over that person, over that leader, as we bathe them in prayer. Um, so we're starting a new sermon series on, on the Lord's Prayer. And we always say this, but I, I really mean it. I, I'm really excited about this. We've been thinking about this, dreaming about this, praying about this for a long time. And the, the concept of prayer is just so important. And so let's, let's just talk about prayer for a moment. How is your prayer life? Does anyone ever ask you that question? You ever think about that? How is your prayer life? Are you on speaking terms with God? How's your prayer life? I think many of us know that we should pray. There's that religious thing, should pray, but, but we don't. Or we don't often, and so that, that question might feel kind of like a, a, a barb, like you know, it might kind of sting a little bit. Um, 
We know that the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul tells us, pray without ceasing. Paul's like, you should be praying all the time, continually, unceasingly. J.I. Packer was a theologian, brilliant man, and he said that prayer is the measure, the spiritual measure of a man or a woman. It's the measure of who you are spiritually. So what is prayer? I think we need to ask this question. Prayer is, is our response to the reality of God. Prayer is our response to the reality of God. He is a communicating God. He speaks to us in, in creation. We see his glory in creation. He, he, he inspired every word in, in the Bible. He communicates with us. Hebrews 1 says that he, he has communicated to us through his son, through Jesus, in these days. And so in the person and work of Jesus, God is very much a talker. And prayer is our response to what he has said. Eugene Peterson once said that prayer is answering speech. I like that. I think it's easy for us to think that prayer is us talking to God, and it is, sure. But it is much more responding to God, to what he has said. Prayer is answering speech. And prayer is mind and emotion. It is spirit and truth. It is your brain and your heart. The guy John Murray called it intelligent mysticism. Meaning we should have clear truth. There should be intelligence. There should be actual reality that is grounding our prayer, that is foundation for our prayer. And there is this experience part, which you can only call mystical, beautiful, hard to pin down, hard to, hard to put enough words on it to explain what it feels like to be in communion with God. It is intelligent mysticism, spirit and truth, heartfelt awe and experience as well as sharp thought. And so prayer is important. Prayer can be challenging. Am I alone in this? I have challenges with, with prayer. I find that sometimes my prayers can be mechanical. I find that that that, that I go through the motions sometimes. I say stuff to God without full engagement of my heart. I do this. Or, or sometimes my prayers are sheepish. If you ask me to pray in a context that I didn't expect to pray, if you ask me to pray just in a moment in front of a bunch of unbelievers, I want to act like I'm hyper-spiritual guy and I just immediately get in the spirit. And I don't. Sometimes I have these sheepish prayers of like, I don't really know. Okay, okay. And God helps us with that. But I've got prayer issues. Sometimes my, my prayers just go wheels off. Like if I'm praying in my head, I like to run. If I'm running and I begin praying in my head, I start somewhere I start praising God for something, asking God for something. I start somewhere, and I end up like, like in the island of misfit toys. Like, I, I don't even know how I got from here to there, but I just wander. Do you do, you do this? And I think some of us, if, if, if I were to ask you, how's your prayer life, you, you would feel convicted because you would think, I, I don't pray much. 
And I'm not here to further just weigh a blanket of, of guilt on you today, but, but I want to help you think through this. The reason you may not pray much is because you see God as, as being like New Zealand. Now, I've never been to New Zealand, but I know it's beautiful. I know it's there, but it has no effect on my life whatsoever. If God is like New Zealand to you, you have no reason to pray to him. If you are on God's throne in your life, if you are the king of your life, if you are not desperate because you have it all figured out, you will not pray to him. If you are a religious actor and this is playing house for you, this is a time for you to feel um, good about yourself, you will not pray to him. And so Jesus, I have a guarantee for you, for this sermon and for this sermon series, not because of, of any of us on the preaching team, but what the claim is here. Jesus is going to teach you to pray. He will. He will teach you to pray. Is that not sweet? But first he warns us. He warns us before he teaches us to pray. And this comes about in Luke 11, which is kind of a, the, the, the mirror image of, of this. Uh, the disciples, sit, they see Jesus' prayer life. They see the power of his prayer. Jesus prayed a lot. He, he withdrew to pray. He prayed with people. But, but they see this and they, they say to him, I love this. This is what, what I'm saying, what we're saying. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And so before he teaches us, he warns us. In verse 5, you can follow along with me if your Bible's still open. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he goes on to say, pray then like this. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. What that word really means is, is, is an actor, literally, like a, a, someone on stage, an actor. Sometimes I hear people pray. Usually it's, it's, you know, religious leaders or something, you know, or politicians. But I hear people pray, and I'm like, who are you talking to right now? Voice just changes gears into some other mode. And it's like, who are you talking to? Don't be like that, Jesus says. Don't, don't be like these, these Gentiles, these pagan babblers. They're just saying stuff to try to get God to do something. And, and they had many gods, and so they're just they're playing a numbers game. A lot of words, a lot of gods. Speak these incantations, these specific words to try to get God to do something. Jesus says, don't be like that. Don't be a public performer. Don't be a babbler. He says, pray then like this. Pray this Lord's Prayer. This is the perfect prayer. If you ever do not know how to pray, and you sometimes don't, and neither do I, pray then like this. 
This prayer is perfectly aligned with God's will. If you want to pray a prayer that God loves to answer, pray the Lord's Prayer. Perfectly aligned with God's will. A powerful, powerful prayer. Jesus says, pray then like this. And so we're going to go through this prayer one line at a time. And today we're just going to look at our Father in heaven. And, and some of you might go, I see what you did there. It's Father's Day. By the way, happy Father's Day. We didn't do that on purpose. I, I, I really mean that. It, sometimes these things happen, but we really didn't plan it this way. But um, to you fathers, happy Father's Day. Um, it, it takes a biological male to, to have a child. It takes a man to be a father. So happy Father's Day. And so as we look at one line, one word at a time, you need to know you can do this in your Bible. You should do this in your Bible. We went on vacation to Breckenridge, Colorado last year, and we went on this tour of a mine. And as you go down into this mine, there's these little offshoots. And the guide was explaining, if you go down in there, there's these pools and there's all these little things you could discover. And, and that's what we want to do in the Bible. We don't just want to go down the main mind shaft. You want to stop. You want to hang on a word. You want to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And so that's what we're going to do. So right now, let's just start with our, O-U-R, our Father. Our Father, Jesus teaches us to pray. And so prayer is private. In verse 6, he says, go in your closet Go in your room and shut the door where only God hears your voice. Do that. But prayer is also corporate. It is together. And God's people have always been a praying people. We have always been a praying people. Run through a few scriptures to show you this. Genesis 4 to Seth. Seth is the third child of Adam and Eve. The first two didn't work out so well with the whole murder thing. Uh, there's Seth. To him a son was born. He called his name Enosh. At that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. They're praying together. And then in Isaiah, it says this, these I will bring, God is gathering his people from sojourners to Israelites, bringing them, I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And then we see in Acts 1, the early church, Jesus has come, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen. This is the early church. It says, all these with one accord, by the way, this is, these are the days we live in, with one accord are devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. We're, we're devoting ourselves to prayer. God's people have always been a praying people. And so we do, we pray in private responding to the reality of God in our lives. Tim Keller said that, that the, the, the measure of your spiritual integrity, authenticity is your private prayer life. Who you are in prayer by yourself is who you actually are. And so in our private prayer life, we cry out in praise. We say, thank you, God, for, for delivering me through this. Thank you, God, for, for blessing me with the family, with children. I'm a father. I'm so grateful for my three kids and my wife. We praise him. We cry out in praise. We cry out in pain. God, this hurts. 
help me. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my self-help. And sometimes you need to know this. You can come to God. You should come to God empty-handed saying, I don't even know what to pray right now. Help me pray. The Spirit will lead you as you begin to pray. Sometimes we we come just open-handed in prayer, and that is quite appropriate in this private prayer life. Fills you up spiritually, shapes you, forms you into Christ's likeness as you continue to remember who God is. And it equips you for corporate worship and for corporate worship prayer. Your private prayer life affects what we do as we gather here. And so Jesus does intend for us to pray together. That is why this word is plural. There, there's so many just plurals in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. And as this happens, the Spirit unifies us. This is why if I'm, if I'm counseling a couple If I ever counsel you, I will recommend that you pray together at night, even if it's just a tiny little childish prayer. Just pray together because prayer unites us, unites our spirits in belief. Prayer does that for us, church family, as we pray together. Brings us closer to God, closer to one another. We model heaven when we pray because we come underneath God the sovereign one, seeking his glory, submitting to him, asking for his help. We model heaven as we praise him, as we cry out to him. It's a foretaste. And so you can, I've been praying this prayer alone a lot lately because I've been preparing for this and just wanting this to, to wash over me. I prayed it with Lindsay a few times. You can pray this prayer by yourself or with people, but Jesus teaches us to pray by saying our Father. And we'll get to Father in a moment, but I want to just talk about in heaven. In heaven. He teaches us to pray to our Father in heaven. What does this mean? It means that we pray to the God of authority. Psalm 97, it says this. Let this sink in, that this is who you're praying to. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes up before him and burns up his adversaries all around His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. That's our God. You pray to the God who can do something about your parenting problems. You pray to the God who can do something about your health problems your financial problems, your depression, your family strife. You pray to the God who can do something about what you're praying about. The mountains melt like wax before him. The Rocky Mountains are paper mache before him. 
That is who we pray to. A God who can do something about what we are praying about. Don't ever pray like your problem is too big for God. Ever. And so we should approach him with reverence in accordance with who he is. That means awe and respect. That's why the Bible says, fear the Lord. We should see the one who makes the mountains melt like wax and come humbly before him with reverence. We pray to the God who's on the heavenly throne. He's not your homeboy. He's the God in heaven. He's the God of blinding glory. First Timothy 6 says this, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light that is blinding glory, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. That's the God that we pray for. The God who is able, the God who is powerful, our Father in heaven, the one who tells the angels what to do. That's who we can pray to. So let's talk about Father. Jesus talks, tells us to, to pray to the Father who is his Father. God is Trinity, one God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, pray to the Father. Do you see what this means? This is tender relationship. This is an intimate, familial conversation. God says in Isaiah, he says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. He loves the prayers of his children. He collects the prayers of his children. Like if you have kids, you collect their drawings on your refrigerator. Revelation 5.8, I didn't make this up. Check this out. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. God collects the prayers of the saints. He hears them. He keeps them. They're sweet to his ears as a good and loving father. And a good father does not ignore his children. I know it's Father's Day, and I know for some of you that's a complicated day. I know that some of you have fathers that hurt you or ignored you or or spent more time on the golf course or at work than with you. I know that, that this is a complicated day. Our Father in heaven will never hurt you. He cannot and would not sin against you. He is only for you. And you must know this. Now, a good father doesn't give his kids everything they want when they want it. And I've got to confess, we got an issue with my youngest. So he loves trucks. And I, every time we go to Walmart, we're buying this dude trucks. And we're, we're populating the island of misfit toys because we have these things everywhere, but a good father 
It's not good for us to have what we want when we want it. A good father answers us in his way. Our father in heaven, if he is your father, if you are a child of God, he answers you in in accordance with his perfect love, his complete wisdom, his good plan for you. In his perfect way, he knows best So he answers you according to his perfection. Jesus teaches us to pray to the Father. And now, now, a hard truth and a personal invitation. So this is when the sermon gets offensive. He's not everyone's father. We are not all God's children. He is the creator of all. He is the father to some. And if he is your father, you have every right of access to him. If he is not your father, you have no right of access to him. So look at the one who's teaching us to pray. Look at Jesus. He is our teacher. He's also our access. He's our access point to the Father. He's the the, the one through whom we can go to the Father. You see, God has priorities. His glory and the salvation of his sinful people. He loves his sinful people, but, but his glory and those of us that defame his glory... Those are at odds, and so someone must pay for that offense for there to be a reconciled relationship. And so God had a plan that Jesus would come and would bear that reproach that we deserve. This is real pain, a real cross, real blood, real death, Real grief and real resurrection. Isaiah 53 illustrates this horrifying, beautiful act. It said, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was the will of the Father to crush Jesus. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. That means he will be resurrected, and he was. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. There was real pain, and it was God's pleasure because there was real resurrection and real redemption. It says he shall see his offspring. Jesus got to see what he accomplished. He gets to see what he accomplished. He gets to see what he is still accomplishing. He was wounded that you could be brought in, that you could pray to the Father. So how does this happen? John 1, verses 9 through 12. Remember that that it said that, that, that God, he dwells in unapproachable light. I want you to see this. The true light, that's Jesus, 
which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you see it? That the light of the world gives us access to the one who dwells in unapproachable light. That Jesus pays our adoption fee. He signs it and seals it with his blood. That he takes us by the hand. He says, come meet my father. You can be my, my brother, my sister. He can be your father too. Welcome to the royal family. Jesus makes a way. You see, through, through sin, the lines of communication are down. And there is no crew that can come fix it. But Jesus is like turning on the Wi-Fi. It's a crude metaphor. It's not even good enough. But it's like turning on the Wi-Fi to where we have instant access to the Father. The one who makes the mountains melt like wax. And so it's not that you should pray. I hate that word. I said, through Jesus, you can. Through Jesus, you have access. Such close access that the, the whisperings of your soul are heard by him and are sweet to him. And he responds. So Jesus teaches us to pray our Father in heaven. We pray to the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Spirit. This is available to you and to me, only through Christ. So let's pray to him now. Lord, what a reality. Mm. What a gift that, that your people who you long to redeem and yet who have sinned against you, defamed your glorious name, can now come to you with full access through Jesus. Jesus, we know it wasn't cheap. We know that our adoption fee was expensive. It cost you everything. And yet you paid it in love. And so we thank you, God, that we can pray to you. That our longings are heard, our petitions are heard. Our cries are heard. Our praises are heard. Somehow kept in a bowl, remembered by you. Lord, it is Father's Day, and, and we just made this holiday up to celebrate fathers. You are the perfect father for those of us that have broken fathers, which is to say all of us. And for those of us that are broken fathers, which is to say all of us. 
we come before you and we say, Father, us. We love you. And we bask in your love now as we turn to sing to you, to sing true words about who you are. Holy Spirit, would you minister to us? Would you allow us to cry out in great exaltation over who you are? We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.